Yeah, as we uh, thinking through this series and thinking through church as a whole, um, you know, I've been around church all my life, been in ministry for a long time. Um, and I was talking to, to TJ this morning. It's just interesting to see dynamics. You know, if you think through church in the 40s and 50s, especially uh, here in the U.S., a lot of the churches were, in some ways, I mean, you even called them parish churches. You know, you, you had a church that was in a community that everybody knew one another, everybody, you know, the, the pastor and everybody was there for births and deaths, and, and so was all the family members. And, and then with today's society, we're scattered all over the world. You know, even here in Columbia, it's not, not the biggest city, but we've got people all over Columbia as part of our church. And and scattered out, and so sometimes it's hard to have what we've been talking about is this one another aspect about church, because we're not involved in a daily, on a daily basis with each other's lives as if we lived in the same community. Um, as a matter of fact, I probably, the community I live in, don't know everybody in my community. Kenny and Monica have got, met more people in our community since they've been here than I know. Um, you know, and so as we sit and think through this idea of one another, and as we, we've talked about, you know, loving one another by, by showing one another what it means to encourage and to be encouraged, what it means to put others before ourselves, what it means to, to pray for one another, what it means to teach and, and challenge, and yet we still don't do it. We still are not as involved with one another as I believe the scriptures teach us to be and challenge us to be. You know, we talked about, you know, John chapter 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And it's always been an issue of whether we show love to one another or not. Um, it seems to be maybe a little bit more of an issue now with social media that we can blast each other on social media. Not necessarily in this church doing it with one another, but the church as a whole. Every day I'm reading somebody else who's writing about another pastor or another leader here in the United States who shouldn't be doing this and should be doing this. And, and the word heretic is being thrown around an awful lot um, for considering the situations that we're dealing with. And so are we proving to the world that we're his disciples because we're loving one another? Or are we proving to the world that we don't think he's real? You know, we've we, we got to wrestle with this. Now, we're going to be looking this morning in Galatians chapter 6, so if you want to go ahead and turn there. But as we think through the topic for today, it's by praying for one another. We show love to one another by praying for one another. And there's a few passages leading up to our passage in Galatians. In James chapter 5, James says, If any of you are sick, any of you are struggling, call together the elders to come pray for you, Confessing sin to one another. You know, he talks about 
And whether there the issue was people were sick because of sin, or it's just kind of a combination of things that were happening, I'm not real sure, but the idea was we call people together to pray for one another. And we say it all the time. You know, I mean, I don't want to venture a guess as to where Jimmy Buffett is right now. But it's amazing to me how many people, uh, because he was well-known and a good musician and everybody liked him, preached him into heaven when he died a few, months, a few weeks ago. You know, because we, we pray for him. Pray for Jimmy Buffett. Well, it's a little late now. I'm sorry. One way or the other, it's a little late to pray for Jimmy Buffett. And so we, we post things about praying for one another, and I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I post back praying. And then I go on about my business. I'll pray for you. And I go on about my business. And not even just on social media. Somebody comes up to you at church and says, hey, will you pray for me for this? Yeah, I will. And by the time we get home from lunch, it's totally gone out of our heads. We're not praying for one another. So I want us to think through this. Colossians 3 and and Ephesians 4 kind of are the same context. Um... But they're both talking about the church as a whole. And part of it is bearing with one another. You say, well, what does bearing with one another have to do with praying for one another? You ever really sat and got involved in somebody's life to where you were praying for them? That's bearing with somebody. That's you, you begin to hear the struggles and the pain. A few years ago, a friend of mine and, and Gil knew him, who shared pain and, and went through many different things. As a teenager, tried to commit suicide. And as a 42-year-old man, successfully committed suicide. Because everybody would pray for him, but nobody was invested in his life. No one was bearing with him. They would just pray for him. And again, that's a It's a wrestle. But in Galatians chapter 6, the, the key verse, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10, but the key verse is here, is let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of us are weary of doing good? How many of us are tired? How many of us feel like I give and give and give and give. And, and that's all people want is for me to give more. I think some of what's called the deconstruction movement is because people are weary. Some of it's sin. Some of it is they choosing a lifestyle to, to do what they want to do. But some of it is they're tired of seeing the church treat each other like dirt. And there's a weariness and a tiredness. And I think weariness happens because we don't have the one another aspect about church. If we're praying for one another and encouraging one another and loving on one another and putting each other's needs before the others, man, we wouldn't be tired. We'd be plugging along together and working together. So in Galatians chapter 6, Paul says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. 
bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, as we get into Galatians 6, Paul has just gone through a big section of what it means to walk in freedom in Christ. What it means to be what God's called us to be. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit and all these different ways that we're keeping in step with the Spirit. And now he comes to this idea of bearing with one another and sharing with one another. Scott McKnight says this, these are concrete illustrations of what it means to live as a Christian individual within a community when that community is guided by freedom in the Spirit. See, we're not called upon, and I hear it all the time, I see it, everybody says it, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And then you got your, you know, your people who quote back, well, you don't have to be a car to be in a garage or whatever, you know, it's just, but... The issue is, yes, we can be a Christian and walk by ourselves. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to be part of a body that we are building up one another and sharing with one another and encouraging one another and bearing one another's burdens. We are in this together. And I've been in church for a long time. And it amazes me still. I remember in Texas, this one lady, she came to me, she was so ticked off one Sunday. And she said, I was in the hospital three weeks ago, and you didn't come see me. And I said, well, did you tell me you were in the hospital? No. I wasn't at church. I said, well, okay, but you come to church once a month. So I really, I mean, I hate to be rude, but... But the point is, we say it all the time, I hear it all the time, is I just didn't want to burden anybody with my struggles. I didn't want to to dump that on somebody else. Well, you know what? That's what we're here for. That's what it's about. To bear one another's burdens means it's never a bother. It's never one of those things. Now, like he was saying with John Chris, don't call me in the middle of the night if your dog has diarrhea. That's a bother. That's bothering me. But if, you have a, but if you have a major crisis, don't hesitate to call. If you have an issue to, that you're dealing with, let us work together to help one another. And so he says here, we're part of a community guided by the freedom of the Spirit. Uh, Linsky says this, they're not only burdens in which we must fellowship and aid those who bear them, they're also good things, spiritually and morally beneficial things in which we should delight to have fellowship with one another who possesses those good things. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. There's times when we celebrate because we go to the hospital 
because a baby's been born. And together we are excited and, and overjoyed. There's times we go to the hospital to hold the hand of a loved one as they watch their loved one breathe their last. Or there's times we go to the doctor's office because someone we love and cared for has been diagnosed with cancer. That's what it's about. And, and in a, the smaller community in the parish churches, it happened. Somebody had a baby, everybody in the community knew it. Somebody was dying, everybody in the community knew it. But now we can kind of get away with not telling each other because we're scattered all over. But we're here to bear one another's burdens. So I want to ask a couple of questions. Now you won't be on the, the recording, but I will repeat what you say, so um, I won't say who said it. Um, why are we afraid to share our burdens with one another? Don't want to push anybody away. Embarrassed? We don't look like we have it all together. Pride? Fear of gossip? Fear of judgment? Guilt? What's that? Shame? Now, why is it? I do have a second question, but this one, this is the third question now. Um, why is it we're afraid we're going to push people away or be judged or be gossiped about? Experience, that's right. Because it's happened. Let me call so-and-so and tell them I'm struggling with this. And before the day is over with, everybody knows it. Now, there may be some who need to know it to pray and to be part of the solution. But we need to struggle. There's times we call and, and we share a struggle and the person goes, Ah, oh, well, you know, if you really trusted the Lord, that wouldn't be happening. It's crazy that we treat each other this way. So what truly makes bearing one another's burdens so hard? Why is it tough for us to do that? What's that? Selfishness? We don't know what to do? Not sure we'll have the answer. You know, it's unique. If we read here in Galatians 6, nowhere does Paul say we need to come up with the answer. Nowhere does he say that we have to be the solution. We bear one another's burdens. We bring those burdens before the Lord. We take the weight as best we can off someone's shoulders. We've all heard it said, and I've experienced it. You know, when someone dies, the best thing you can do is just be there. Don't try to say something, okay? Don't say, I know how you feel, because you don't. Even if you've experienced death, you don't know how that person feels. And so 
It's just being there, being that shoulder to cry on, being that, that carrying the weight together. That's what it's about. So now let's look real quickly at the passage. Because as we bear one another's burdens, it brings restoration when we sin. Verse 1 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Okay, now, we jump right in, don't we? But you know what? It's hard to confess our sins one to another. That's what James said in James chapter 5. You call the elders together, you pray for healing, and you confess sin to one another. What Paul's talking about here is not talking about someone who is flat out rebelling against God. He talked in another translation, says there's someone who is caught in a trespass. It's someone who wants to follow the Lord and it just seems like they can't get out of this cycle. And he says, with that, those who are spiritual restore such a one. Now, we tend to go to Matthew 18. Those who are spiritual, take them through the steps and kick them out. And that's not what it says. Now, the, the steps in Matthew 18 are for someone who's rebelling and saying, I don't give a rip what you say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Then we take them through the steps and we, we, we get rid of them. But this is talking about someone who's struggling. But when we struggle, do we share it with one another? Nah. I remember being in accountability groups at CIU. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with accountability groups except for when I'm with a group of four men that I've never met till five minutes ago and I'm supposed to share my deepest concerns and, and my sins I'm struggling with. I'm going, nah. Thanks, Sharon. I don't know these guys. But we know one another. We're involved in each other's lives. If we have a struggle, we, we, we should be willing to share that. And those who are spiritual, those who have love and concern, have no self-conceit thinking, I'm better than you. We're here to help one another, to encourage one another, to, to restore. That word restore is the idea of mending a broken bone. Now, I've not been around anybody, I may be sheltered. I've not been around anybody who goes to the hospital and someone's sitting in the emergency room with their arm, the bone sticking straight out, and you go, you dummy, if you hadn't done what you... No, we, go, we care. We want to mend it. We don't say, well, you can just keep the bone sticking out because you were stupid and made a bad decision. No, we restore. And we try to help. Not because we're better. We look to ourselves realizing we can be tempted and we sin too, but we're, we're building each other up. So bearing each other's burdens brings restoration. Bearing each other's burdens fulfills the law of Christ. What do you think that means? Think through our theme verses. A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ, by bearing one another's burdens. We are loving one another as Christ loved the church. Christ bore our burdens on the cross. 
He took our sin and our shame. So we bear one another's burdens. Not just, I'll pray for you. That's okay if we're really going to pray for the person. Why don't we stop right then and pray for the person? So rather than saying, I'll pray for you when I get home and forget about it, stop right then and pray for them. Care for them. Everybody's got a phone. I see I'm, I'm sitting here with a business card writing stuff down. I'm old school. But you know what? You got a phone. Someone says, I have a prayer need. Take your phone out and type it in there. Set a reminder that that afternoon it, it dings and you go, hey, I'm going to pray for this person. We set reminders for everything else under the sun. We get notifications to do the, what's the new thing, selfie, uh, with, but be real, yeah. I mean, we got notifications for that. Phone dings and what do you got to do? You just got to stop whatever you're in the middle of. Take a picture of yourself in the background. For 30 seconds, everybody can go, wow, look at them. They're driving down the road using their phone like they're not supposed to. You know? But we do these things. We have notifications for everything under the sun. Have a notification to pray for somebody. To lift up their needs. Bearing each other's burdens shares the weight. He says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. See, there's, there's this balance. There's personal accountability. I'm going to have to bear my own load, my own sin I'm going to have to deal with. But there's also the mutual responsibility that we bear one another's burdens. We, we help carry those burdens and strengthen one another. Bearing each other's burdens rejoices when others are doing well. He says here in verse 6, that the one who is taught share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, I realize that the majority of the time, one, I'm up here teaching. But it's always amazed me when I'm sitting in the audience, when I'm teaching myself, how easy it is that by the time lunch is over with, forget everything that was said. And I think part of that is we're not rejoicing in what we're hearing. We're enduring what we're hearing. We're looking at our watch to see what time it is. We're trying to get through it. We rejoice with those who teach. We, we, we hear and we rejoice in the truth. But bearing each other's burdens does not take away personal responsibility. He says, God's not mocked. What you sow, that you will also reap. The idea is you're going to, you know, if you sow corn, you're going to get corn. And you sow two kernels of corn, you get a whole ear, I mean a whole stalk of corn with a bunch of ears. It, it comes back magnified. And it comes later. So there is going to be this idea of we're, we're accountable about our sins. So it's not like, well, I shared, I confessed my sin to my brothers, and so now I can just do whatever I want. I've already told them about it. 
Anybody have any idea what Proverbs 28, 13 says? If you don't, look it up real quick and read it for us. Someone read Proverbs 28, 13. The people who cover over their sins will not prosper, but the ones who confess and what? Forsake their sin. It's not just confession because we're bragging about what we did. It's confessing and forsaking that sin. It's realizing that what we sow, we will also reap. And really comes down to the last little bit there. We either sow to the flesh or we sow to the spirit. That's our choice. And we bear one another's burdens. We encourage and strengthen one another to sow to the spirit, not to sow to the flesh. And then lastly, bearing each other's burdens keeps us from growing weary. As we pray for one another, genuinely pray for one another, it keeps us from wanting to give up. It keeps us from getting tired. As the praise team comes up, I want us to look at, with the exception of the book of Galatians, every book that Paul wrote to a church starts almost the exact same way. Acts 4.44, Paul didn't write this. Acts 4.44 says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, what does Paul say? Romans 1, Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. 1 Corinthians 1.4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, you must also... Help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Ephesians 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Philippians 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you. Colossians 1, 3, we always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, 2 Thessalonians. Pray for one another. 